This is Paul Shireman today on the 42nd edition of Sports and Stuff on Rainier Avenue Radio. Today we have a very special guest, Ruth Hanford Moorhard. Um, I'm going to give you more of an introduction, Ruth, in a minute. Uh, Ruth has written a fascinating new book entitled Mrs. Moorhard and the Boys, a story about a single mother, Ruth's late mother-in-law, who created the first boys baseball league in the depths of depression to help her son and other people. Uh, before I go further with an uh, introduction of, of you, Ruth, I want to recognize some things going on at RainierAvenueRadio.world. We're an online station based in Seattle. Today, as my engineer, I have uh, James Gerd. James also the host of the After Dark show at our station. Uh, I want to mention we have a lot of good things going on in our sports department. Rick Dupree hosts a great show, One-on-One with Dupe. Granville Emerson, Renault Laurent. Also known as Pep, our co-host of a fun show, Lidline Sports. Masvita Marari is a host of Seattle Sports Weekly. Pat McCarthy and Masvita also host a show on the Seattle Metro Sports Athletic Conference. And Mark Bryant has a fitness-based show, Fitness Corner. I want to throw a few plugs out for a couple of my Rainier Avenue Radio uh, colleagues in the sports department. So my guest today, Miss Ruth Moorhart, let me make sure I got these facts down about your background. Let me know if I have anything wrong, but I understand you grew up in Connecticut and you grew up as a rabid Boston Red Sox fan. You became a Cleveland Indians fan when you moved to Ohio. Ruth is a mother and married to Al Moorhart. Career-wise, Miss Moorhart has been a senior executive with philanthropic and arts institutions. She's been a consultant Ruth is the author of the 2013 book, Wired to Move, Factors and Strategies for Nurturing Boys in Early Childhood Settings. Ruth has a BA degree from Skidmore College and a certificate in, uh, I believe it's creative nonfiction from Stanford University, both uh, great institutions. Uh, Today, Ruth, we're going to have a great chat about your career a bit. We're going to have a special focus uh, about your new book, Mrs. Moorhart and the Boys. This book tells a fascinating story about a great lady, Josephine Moorhart, and her life, and what she did in establishing the first Little League Baseball League in America. I had a chance to finish the book this week. This week, It's a very inspirational story about perseverance, kindness, and many other great traits. Uh, Miss Moorhart, Josephine Moorhart, that is, is a very unsung hero. Well, Ruth, thank, first of all, thank you for coming on Sports and Stuff on Rainier Avenue Radio. I'm delighted to be here. Great. So you're the author now of two books, and why don't you share with us for a minute how you got the writing bug? Oh, <laughs> I, I, I never had the writing bug when I was young. I was, I was interested in a lot of other things, music and uh, politics and a lot of things that uh, uh, didn't have much to do with writing, but I kind of fell into a job in the public relations arena. And found myself uh, doing a lot of writing, and I found that the more I wrote, the more I liked it. So um, I was writing everything from annual reports to speeches for executives to video scripts, and I just loved the writing part of it. And always had in the back of my mind that one day I was going to uh, do do something on my own, do something that I enjoyed, do, do write something that I enjoyed writing. So that's kind of what brought me to this to this point. Yeah, you have two books out now. That's uh, definitely uh, definitely an accomplishment for sure. So the subject of your new book is your late mother-in-law, Miss Josephine Moorhard, who passed over 40 years ago in 1978. You uh, indicate in your book you did not know your late mother-in-law that well. But tell us some factors that gave you an idea to write a book about Josephine's life and what she did in starting the first Boys Baseball Little League. Well, I had just met uh, I had just met her son Al, um, and 
she had just passed, well, I actually met her just a few weeks before she passed away. And I found her to be, a, you know, she was 87 years old, but she, her, her mental faculties were, were all there. She was sharp as a tack. Um, she enjoyed, a, you know, an occasional Manhattan and had given up <laughs> the cigarettes a long time ago. Um, but she was, she was just a fascinating lady, and I didn't think much more of it. Um, and then she passed, and um, we were his family. I was helping his family clean out uh, their house, her house. And I saw this huge can that said, bring up baseball on the side. And I, so I asked her, so I said, what's that about? He said, oh, that's a film the Cleveland Indians made of her. She started the first Little League. And, of course, you know, I took that all with a grain of salt and said, sure, she did. Um, but I was curious enough to want to see the film. So we rented a 16-millimeter projector with you know, one of these huge cans of film. Um, and and, he, and saw her there she there she was with the boys in her backyard um, with people who were leveling uh, a field to make a baseball uh, diamond um, taking her turn at bat uh, and it, but but the uh, the film actually went into the whole origins of the baseball leagues and it was absolutely fascinating and you know and so I had in the back of my mind this is a great story and some somebody should be telling it. And that was a long time ago. <laughs> but the pressures of, of work and family and, you know, many other things just kind of kept me from, from doing anything about it. Well, it really but is an interesting story. Go ahead. Pardon me? Go ahead. Yeah, I think you wanted to say something. Go ahead. Uh, no, in, in, uh, in recent years, I have decided to carve out a little bit more time to do some of the things I, I enjoy. And so I decided to start doing some research. And the more I researched her life, um, the more I saw that her own life story was just, just as compelling as, as the fact that she started these leaks. And the fact that she started them at the time she did, in the middle of the Depression, was, was, was quite amazing to me. What a woman. I, I just read the book this week, and I, I, there's just so much history in the book. And, and so... I don't want to give away, you know, it's funny when I have authors on, I'm very careful because I want listeners to learn more about the book, but I don't want to necessarily give away the whole book. So I'm going to be sort of a delicate line here, Ruth. So let me, let me do my best. Okay. But why don't you share, I, I learned the story a little bit more this week when I finished the book. Well, why don't you share with the listeners how Miss Morehard started the Little League Baseball Association, the Cleveland, Ohio area, and mention the perseverance on her end to even get the league started. Well, first of all, you have to remember, this was the middle of the Depression. She, she, she's a lady. <laughs> well, the other thing that's, that's pretty interesting is here is a woman who was married and divorced twice. She was a single mother raising two children right. in an era when that just absolutely did not happen. And women like her were pretty much ostracized. But this, but Miss, Mrs. Josephine Morehard was very independent and very determined, and nobody was going to tell her that there wasn't something that she could do if she wanted to do it. Well, she, what her both, both of her husbands um, were not exactly the kinds of men that um, she should have chosen. Probably, there was a lot of drinking and abuse, and and she was she was seeing her young son um, who who was acting out, possibly because of the turmoil in the home. 
and she she realized she's a woman raising raising a son, and she doesn't have the male perspective that she felt that he needed. And she was seeing him starting to act out, have, to have some pretty bad tantrums, and she just wanted to do something. And one day she had just happened to be looking out the window, and um, he he was holding he, he was holding a stick and batting it batting it at a tennis ball, and she thought, well, maybe maybe baseball is a good answer to it. So she decided right then and there that she was she was going to explore um, whether it's finding him a baseball team. And so she went uh, she went to the mayor's office and she you know cajoled the the mayor into uh, um, letting uh, her use the field by the town hall. And she got a bunch of neighborhood kids together and they started playing a very uh, loose form of baseball. But at least it was, but it was something. But she wanted to do more than that, so she just she, she she was just absolutely brimming with ideas. She 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 loved the Cleveland Indians, and she thought, you know, these kids ought to have uniforms like the Cleveland Indians. So she went down to the local sports uh, store, and one of the people there was a scout for the Cleveland Indians. His name was Laddie Playsack. And he agreed, uh, she charmed him into agreeing to provide uniforms that were identical to the Major League Cleveland Indians uniforms at cost. Um, and so, you know, she, they decided to name the, the, the team, which was now probably just a few kids, but, they're, but all the time the other kids in the neighborhood are seeing them playing and they come in and they decide to join in. So pretty soon she had, a, you know, she had, she had nine kids on the team with little Indians uniforms um, and was trying to find other teams to play. There was some um, CYO, Catholic Youth Organization, a couple of them in the, in the area that were look, also were looking for somebody to play. Um, and there was a bunch of boys down in a town about 30 miles away that um, wanted to play. They kind of had a loose team pulled together. So she, so she started, uh, so she started her, her teams and her leagues. Um, but her idea was to model the teams after the major leagues. And, um, well, before you knew it, she had a junior American league, a junior national league. Uh, and again, all of the, all of the teams were miniature versions of, of major league teams. Well, your, your mother-in-law did quite a job getting that, getting that league together. This is uh, Paul Schneierman, host of sports and stuff on Rainier Avenue radio with Ruth Morehard, author of Mrs. Morehard and the boys. Go to RuthHanfordMorehard.com to learn more about this great book. So one thing I got out of your book, Ruth, is it, it tells a great story about a fantastic woman, your, your late mother-in-law, Mrs. Morehard. But it also gives the reader some 19th century and 20th century American and university history. Was that one of the goals of your book, to give readers some education, insights about what was going on in America and uh, Europe in uh, your late mother-in-law's life? Well, yes. Um, I, I really felt that you can't really tell her story without telling it in the context of the times. Um, the times today are so different. I mean, today there are lots of, of, of single women raising children. Um, we're not in, in, in a dire situation like the Depression. Um, there, were not, there, there, were not, there were not support systems like we have today. Um, so I really felt it was very important to kind of give a sense of what the times were like 
Um, and, and as you say, in Europe, because uh, her, her father was an immigrant who came to this country at the age of 17 and wanted to, wanted to go into farming. He became a, a tenant farmer. He wanted to replicate the life he had had back in, in, in Europe. And, and, and some, of the, the time, some of the things that were going on at the time really, to me, were related to the story I was telling. Um, and plus the fact I really love history. Definitely a lot of history in your book. And, and one thing that I enjoyed in your book, some of the history in your book, is that the history of the Great Depression and World War II is obviously very interesting. But I, I thought it was interesting you got into some late 19th century American history as well. You discussed the Industrial Revolution and some of its effects a little bit. So I just want to share that I thought you you uh, gave uh, a history of your late mother-in-law's life up to about 1944. I think that was a... Uh, a way for the reader to learn more about history. So I just want to want to share that, those comments with you. So something else about your mother-in-law is you mentioned a couple minutes ago, she was a single mom of two kids. She organized a little league, twice divorced woman, very strong person. I, I could tell she, it was hard for her to take no for an answer. Would you describe, Absolutely. would you describe Mrs. Moorhard in any ways as a feminist of her era? And did your late mother-in-law ever consider herself a feminist in any ways? I don't. I don't think she I even knew the word. Um, <laughs> um, she. She certainly. She would be considered that today. Certainly. Um, she was just. I, I think she. She was definitely a feminist in the sense that she never felt that there was anything she couldn't do. You know, she was. She. She grew up on a farm. There were seventeen children, which was quite amazing. Um, and, but she was the one her father relied on the most. She called herself a tomboy. I mean, she was, she, she was, she was plowing the fields when she was a tiny top. She couldn't even stand up well enough to follow the harrow. Um, she was driving teams of horses to get coal when she was five years old. I mean, she, and she loved it. She loved it until the point where her father was giving her far too much to do, and and it was it was too much of a burden. And then she left home. Now, I can't you know, I can't imagine many other uh, young girls of twelve years old leaving home and going out on their own. I mean, I kind of look at her as a, a, a Tom a Tom Sawyer kind of character. Oh yeah, yeah. With the with the kinds of, of of adventures she had, but she was very independent, and I think you know she was independent. In, in large measure because her father had given her so much freedom in terms of, of doing things on the farm. I mean, she, and she, you know, for a time, she loved it. But, I mean, that spirit of independence um, and determination was, was, was core to her, to her being. And, um, and she always, I mean, she always had the feeling that just because she was a woman, don't tell me there's anything I can't do, or don't tell me that I'm, when she was young, don't tell me that I'm too young to do anything. If she wanted to do something, she was bound and determined she was going to do it. Very, and very, she did. very courageous and determined person, Josephine Moorhart. This is Paul Schneiderman again on Sports and Stuff on Rainier Avenue Radio with Ruth Moorhart, author of Mrs. Moorhart and the Boys. So I got a question for you, Ruth. Why do you think Mrs. Moorhart's story has not been very well known in what she did in starting a Little League Baseball organization for, for young boys. Why, why, is this, why isn't this a story that, that people didn't learn about 50, 60, 80 years ago, whatever? Well, I think they did. Um, they did hear about it at the time. Um, you know, she, 
the, uh, the, the Junior American League, the Junior National League, um, were featured in newspapers across the country. And I think, you know, may have inspired a lot of people in a lot of towns across the country to, to follow her example. She even had a little World Series in League Park, which was then the, the weekday home of the Cleveland Indians. And it was, a, you know, it was, that was in 1941. Um, I think I think it has been eclipsed by the fact that her leagues ended, and the the little league you know the little league started just just not too long after she started her leagues, but there was a very you know it was just a couple of leagues in a small town in Pennsylvania um, when she when she already had American and, and Junior leagues in a little World Series, but. Her leagues, unfortunately, uh, did not continue. The war just made everybody's priorities change, and it was very hard for for you know fathers were getting called to war, uh, gas was being rationed. It was very hard to get the kids to the games, and you know mothers were working at the time, so uh, she just couldn't hang on. Um, the little league did hang on, and they they had uh, they had one advantage that she didn't have. She was pretty. She was largely funding the leagues through fundraisers and through her own pocketbook. Um, where the little league, uh, they had sponsors. Each team had sponsors that would that would pay, that would contribute to to, to the team. So um, to me, that is you know that's a, a very good reason why the little league continued. Good good history and interesting background. So in, in doing some research about your book and this story and. The name Carl, I believe it's Carl Stotes, or is it Carl Stotts? Yeah, right. He, he started the Little League. Right, he started the Little League. I, I don't know if I'm mispronouncing his last name. It's either pronounced Stotes or Stotts. And I'm he, not sure either. Okay, okay. So Carl Stotes, we'll call him Stotes for a purpose today. He, he's given credit often as the founder of the Little League. I did a little online research uh, as well, besides right. finishing your book. But you brought this up in a way a minute ago. It was your mother-in-law who actually established the first Little League World Series game in a Major League Baseball stadium before Mr. Stotts' league in Williamsport, Pennsylvania, got going. So how did your mother-in-law feel that the baseball Little League based in Williamsport, Pennsylvania, never has really recognized your mother as the founder of the whole boys' baseball Little League concept? Her, her objective really was never recognition. And um, I, I certainly never talked to her about this, but um, my, my sense is that she had accomplished what she wanted to accomplish. What she, was, she was in it to, to, to help these boys grow up right, these, these kind of ragtag kids in the neighborhood. Um, she wanted to teach them discipline. She wanted to teach them good habits. Uh, and it really... It, Recognition was not what she was after. She loved what she did, but she, you know, she didn't seem to care whether she got the recognition or not. Um, the fact that all of these boys turned out—well, I don't want to give it away—but but all of these boys uh, turned out to be great men, great great citizens. That was that was a great accomplishment as far as she was concerned. Well, I guess I have a little perspective here, Ruth. Just from a historical standpoint, I would like to see your mother-in-law get a little bit more recognition because as you brought up in your book, Mr. Stotes himself consulted with your mother-in-law about getting a little league going. Right. So, right. so I think there's a little more history that your mother was involved in, whether she wanted the recognition or not. I, I, I think she deserves some more. So um, you mentioned the book that your husband, Al Moorhart, who later became a successful attorney and judge, 
based in Ohio, and I believe your husband also played college football. Why don't you share with us what the Little League Baseball meant to your husband and his development as a person? Oh, it was it was very instrumental. Um, you know, he was you know he was a he, he was a, a kind of a troubled kid. I mean, he'd been through a lot. He'd he'd seen his his father chase his mother around the dining room table with a butcher knife. You know, oh. those things don't go away. He didn't have male role models. Um, his mother got wonderful men to assist. She got the Cleveland Indians to to, to teach them. Baseball skills. She got um, the, a, a fairly well-known um, sports writer, who was then very young and um, and and coaching high school. His name was Hal Leibowitz, and she got she got him to be an umpire. And she only she only selected people that she knew were going to give the kids the right motivation and, and 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 give them good lessons in life, which she did. Yeah, every every kid on on the Little Indians had to do a good deed before they were allowed on the field. So these kids are down at the local grocery store and they're helping they're helping people carry their bags. Um, it, 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 her main focus was just that it was it was teaching these kids lessons, teaching them discipline, and she certainly you know that certainly applied to to Al. I mean, he credits her with with everything. Well, I can tell that Al got some great, a great value system through his mother, and it seems that his experience playing Little League Baseball played a role in his development. So I, your feedback is is, uh, is great. Paul Schneiderman, host of Sports and Stuff on Rainier Avenue Radio with uh, Ruth Morhard, author of Mrs. Morhard and the Boys. So one thing that you brought up a little bit in this interview that comes out quite a bit in your book is the influence the Cleveland Indians had in your mother's Little League and just their general influence – in the Cleveland community and during that World War II, Great Depression era. And, we, you know, we hear a lot of debates. We've had these debates in Seattle. We lost our NBA team over a decade ago about the role that pro sports teams have in communities. It becomes almost like a, a philosophical question. But, but what, what did you think about the role the Cleveland Indians had in Cleveland during that era? It struck me as a pretty positive role. Would you agree with that? Oh, the Cleveland! Oh, everybody loved the Cleveland Indians. Well, first of all, you know, base, during the Great Depression, baseball was 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 an escape. You know, it it took people away from their troubles, and and people just loved baseball. And they if they didn't have more than ten cents, they'd go to the baseball stadium and get a, you know, and get a hot dog to eat. Um, but the, the, first of all, Cleveland was a very uh, different place. Than, than what people think of Cleveland as being now. It's still a great sports city, despite the Cleveland Browns, uh-huh. <laughs> who are coming. Who are coming back, by the way. Um, um, but back then, Cleveland was one of the most prosperous cities in the nation. Um, the Indians, I mean, the Indians were the sports team. There was nothing else was close. Even though we had the, we actually had the Cleveland Rams at the time, which are now the Los Angeles Rams, after several other moves, enter in the Super Bowl. Um, but the, no, the, the, Indians, um, the Indians just almost adopted the Little Indians. Um, Elva Bradley was the, uh, was the owner, and he did all kinds of things. I mean, not only letting them use the uh, league park for the Little World Series, but um, he would bring all the players down to games. He, would, he furnished all the baseballs. Um, Roger Peckinpah was the manager, and he was highly involved. His son played for the team. Bob Seller um, 
Jeff Heath, who was a, a great ball player of the time, uh, Roy Weatherly and, and, and other players uh, helped out with teaching baseball skills, and they, they'd come down and help with the fundraisers, and uh, Jeff Heath actually gave Al one of, the, one of his major league bats. Um, Mel Harder lived in the neighborhood, and he would always be at the games when, when the team was, uh, wasn't out of t- was in town. Well, in reading and your book, had, go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, he used to have the boys over and give them popcorn and 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 soft drinks and and regale them with stories about uh, about the major leagues. So the the Indians in every way were very involved. The scouts actually, uh, the scouts and some of the players would 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 hold baseball clinics and show the show the boys how to hit, pitch, field, catch. They were um, they were wonderful. Well, it seemed like a family atmosphere with the Cleveland Indians and the Cleveland community at that time, based on your insights today and in reading uh, your great book. So I want to move ahead here for a second, Ruth. And in September 2017, Time Magazine had a cover story about how Little League and high school sports had become a $15 billion industry. Where do you think your mother-in-law would be today and how Little League sports have become? <laughs> I don't know. I think that uh, she would never have looked on it as as a business. Um, she, like I said, she was she she was much more interested in in the boys and their development. And I think I think there I think there are some. Uh, I've I've read a little about the Cal Ripken League, and it seems like they try to do some of the same things. Um, I'm sure there are. I'm sure there are many little league teams and coaches, and that uh, that, that still have some of the uh, try to instill some of the values she had. But um, but I but she she would never have looked on it as a business. Obviously, she um, she was she was pretty much supporting the teams on her own, along with fundraisers. Well, Ruth, believe it or not, we have less than a minute left. I can't believe how fast these interviews go sometimes. Throw out another nugget or two about your late mother-in-law in your book. Do you want to share with the listeners that we haven't gotten into yet today? I know we didn't get into everything, but throw another nugget or two out about your book and your and your late mother-in-law. Well, I, I, I just I think that she is a sterling example of determination, perseverance, um, and 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 one of her mottos was, no matter how many times they knock you down, um, get up again. And that's what one of the things that she instilled in, in in the boys. And through her life, she she had a lot of of very very hard times. Um, but she always got up, and she always made lemon out of lemonade, if if you will. Uh-huh. Well, Ruth, I really enjoyed our discussion. All the best with your terrific new, new book. Let's stay in stuff. And thank you for coming on Sports and Stuff. Thank you very much, Paul. You take care.